Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Watch what you say, guys. Um, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's listening yet, right? Nobody's yeah, this isn't listening. on. Is no, it? I don't not think yet. so. Nope. Okay. The live thing doesn't doesn't mean much. Um, we have some Storm, people, comma Ryan. Yet, look at this. We got people waiting. Thank you yeah, guys people. for joining us. I just want to say, so I today's the first day that I woke up and didn't have to worry about my job that I just quit, which is really great. But I also realized I, I know that Brian and Megan understand this because they're from the Midwest, and Jonathan, I assume you do too. But this, like, this is t- to me. I know a lot of people love summer. And and summer's great because you can go swimming and there's all kinds of other stuff you can do. <laughs> but this part of the year is my absolute favorite. It's 51 mm-hmm. degrees outside. It's mm-hmm. sunny. Mm-hmm. I can wear a hoodie, but I'm also mm-hmm. wearing a baseball hat because we're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. a huge Ohio State-Penn State game coming up this Saturday. We have awesome sports, amazing weather. The leaves are turning from green to other colors. And just like just reminds me of home. It reminds me of like being a teenager and, and loving the fall because, you know, I got to like, it's just, I just love the fall. I just love the fall. And I think that anyone who thinks that summer is a better season than fall just doesn't really get fall. <laughs> I mean, summer's biggest downfall, pun intended, is that uh, you can only take off so many layers of clothes before you get arrested. True. Um, plus mm. I have all of these like dope long sleeve shirts that I can't wear all summer long. This is my exact issue with summer. <laughs> I knew autumn Brian was is, say that. <laughs> autumn is the best. Sorry to bite your rhymes there. No, no, but, no, uh, no. I just, I support it. Yeah. I mean, so. listen, I, I totally appreciate fall at the Christmas when I was in Colorado. It felt like 
everything that's great about fall, like blue skies and like crisp weather layers. I'm into that, but I like summer. It's just, I don't have to work. I can see fish outside. I can wear very little clothing. I can, you know, I don't know. There's just a vibe to summer, you know, I like it. There is uh, listeners, viewers, friends, enemies. Tell us what you guys think. Um, we're going to make some enemies on this episode. I think, um, probably <laughs> no, it's, Maybe. it's odd divided upon itself. Cannot uh, yeah. stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just glad we have more than just Sunday to talk about. Cause we got three shows to recap. So let's, we do. Everyone is very focused in the chat on, on Sunday and, and what we thought of Sunday, but we have to go back. We have to go back to Friday. And I assume that Brian has a history of the United center, um, prepared for us and, and not just yeah, we, the united center but everything he had that last it. episode like he definitely i got nothing for you I got, throat last time i i'm just gonna say i went in i went to this run nervous and the way that the band walked out on stage uh i would say immediately uh you know made me feel a lot better made me uh maybe not as concerned but rj do you want to read the set list from uh friday night here in chicago um, I guess I can do that. Um, Please I guess do. the, but can I first just, yes, you can first do something. Before we do that. Let's just do, we're not going to do this justice because we, we really can't, but let's just, let's just quickly talk about the fact that. So fish was last in Chicago in 2017, I think. 18. Right? Wow. 2018. 18. Yeah, Where? 2018. The Allstate arena. Okay. Well, that, I'm talking about city limits. Oh, fair point. Yeah, yeah. Chicago, uh, North, Northerly Island. You're right. Northerly Island. 2017. First show ever was 3-30-1990 in Chicago. So we have, you know, we have a we have serious history there. And, and of course, there's so many UIC shows that we could go talk about. I mean, but Brian, do you think that, where does Chicago rank for you on Fish's, like, cities? Is, is it at the, is it, is it in the top tier or is it just another, like, you know, big city that gets a lot of Fish shows? I think it leans more towards another big city that gets a lot of fish shows, but it does have a ton of history there. You know, you talk about UIC, that 61894 show is one of the best shows the band has ever played. They released that along with 112594, which is really good in its own right. Uh, there's a great. Still waiting. Yeah, like yes, RJ, you sat so still. Like I had to wonder for a second <laughs> if I was the one frozen. Yeah, that's that was, the worst um, feeling. <laughs> trying to play yeah. it off. It's All like right. when you're sitting in a ca- parked car and the one beside you starts to move and you start to think you're rolling backwards. You know <laughs> exactly. You're like, am I moving or are they? You know, RJ, what I was thinking. Hopefully, Brian will jump back in. But like, you know, for someone who grew up in Michigan, in Southwest Michigan, I saw a lot of Grateful Dead in Chicago, but I never saw fish there and. I think about when I think of Midwest fish, I think of like Deer Creek or like Alpine Valley. You know, I think of those kind of bigger amphitheaters. So it's like really interesting because I feel like the a lot of the time that was like important to Chicago was a little bit later too. Maybe yep. not in like 1.0 as much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a fish show in the, the city limits. Tinley Park is the, the closest I got. But um mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're gonna let Brian jump back in on this when he when he returns. But um, as he as he pre- there he is. Perfect. Right hey, now. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
We were just filling in some Chicago trivia while you were gone. We were talking about various Bulls seasons and stuff. <laughs> well, we can go through that. No, I yeah, think I had very, a lot. Very, I had a lot to offer on that note. I, I, I'm sure you <laughs> did that uh, 93 season versus 92. There's a lot of layers. No, I think I heard Megan say something before I left the studio and came back about like when she thinks about the Midwest, she thinks Alpine Valley, Deer Creek around Chicago. Chicago to me is kind of like it's just another big city that they play in. Um, there are some sneaky good shows, 618-94, the 98 run, um, some great shows at Allstate, uh, the UIC 2011 run that we talked about on 40 for 40. Um, but overall, it's not as a Chicagoan when I was first getting into fish, I didn't like go towards Chicago shows to listen mm. to. I listened to Northeast fish shows because fish is a band from the Northeast. And when they play certain venues in the Northeast, you get that warm and fuzzy feeling. Chicago always feels kind of like, okay, this is as far west as they would go to a certain point in their career. They would always kind of circle back through Chicago, but as they grew to the point where they could play amphitheaters, Deer Creek and Alpine Valley became the de facto Midwest hubs. And as and then, you know, in addition to that, these like small college hockey arenas in Grand Rapids, in, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ann Arbor, in, uh, they, they played Norman, Illinois once they played Madison, Wisconsin. Like they, they bounce around the Midwest in a way that like, they don't necessarily have to focus on Chicago because that's just not aside from New York. They're not really a city band. I mean, I think they should just, you know, break down and do a run at Soldier Field next year. That'll probably really establish wow. themselves as a Chicago <laughs> band. You know, I don't believe that, right? No, it is interesting that they haven't. You guys covered it well, but it is interesting well, that they had never really established like a like a lasting sort of Chicago presence, despite there being good music scene totally. in Chicago. And I mean, it's it's a great city, arguably at least someone's kind of town. Um, so do you think they tried to with like Northern Island? Like they kind of tried to, yeah. right? Like why like did they can't they have pinned yeah. anywhere down that consistently? Weird. I, I feel like the venue that they've pinned down is the UIC pavilion, but it's a really yeah. hard venue for them to play at this point in time because it's so small that tickets are just insane. If they're gonna play the Midwest, Northern Island allows you to fit, I think, as many people as Alpine Valley. So it, it makes wow. a lot more sense, but it's a huge pain to get to North Island. It's not a very good venue. The runs have either had like the weather issues in 2013, 2014 is not, not incredibly strong. 2017 has some really cool moments, but it's kind of like kicking off a tour. There's never been that like run at North Island that feels like how Dick's feels out here where once they played Dick's, it was like, okay, we're coming back here over and over and over again. And that venue has... It's it's easy to get in and out of. It's easy to move around. It's it seems like it's easy for the band. Chicago doesn't totally offer that, and I wonder if they were trying that with United Center. As we'll get mm-hmm. into, they had moments of success and moments where it felt like a Chicago Midwest type of run. And I feel like um, you know the band's take on the shows aren't always the same as ours. So yeah, I'm curious to see if they decide to come back because it's a massive arena too it's one of the biggest in the country it's like twenty three thousand five hundred capacity caverns huge yeah it's crazy question for you guys from justin bruce uh, this is chicago related is the harpoo with second city folks at northern island in 2013 a pro or a con in chicago fish <laughs> history yes <laughs> 
<laughs> RJ, what Both. do you think? <laughs> As I've gotten to know Chris Wuteski, like I just got to say it's a pro because that guy's awesome. So I'm, I'm just like I'm, 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 I'm all in for that from now on. I'm going mean, to say pro too. You know why? Because like that's them having fun, and I feel like that's what was missing from last night. I I endlessly think that the Harpua the right way joke is one of the best jokes that they've ever played on mm-hmm. the fan base. And I think it gets to a lot of what we are going to discuss here. And in some cases, nitpick is that band, the band kind of constantly laughing at us and say, no, 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 you're, you're doing it wrong. You're always doing it wrong. Let's, let's show you how to do it right. And that, that to me, the, just the fact that that is the punchline of the, of the skit, however long it goes, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Speaking of sticks or skits, we had a little, uh, we had a, a Friday the 13th, uh, theme at the beginning of Friday night where there was some Friday the 13th music. And then we got a Carini opener, Rift, Haley's into Ghost, Albuquerque into Sod Again, Foam, Blazon into Meat, Drift While You're Sleeping. That was a, uh, that was some, that was a, an interesting way to open, Brian. What do you say? Uh, it was amazing. Um, I loved this set. I thought this set flowed really well. I thought there were great song choices. Uh, Karini fit the mood and the vibe. When the music was coming out, I mean, they never walk out to to walk out music. And I couldn't place it immediately. And I initially thought that they were going to come out to the Chicago Bulls theme, which I freaked out. And then I heard the Friday the 13th theme and freaked out again. It was like, oh, my God, this is great. Apparently, it was their 13th uh, show on Friday the 13th in their history. To go into Carini is just like the perfect spot right there. Um, this was kind of like the condensed version of the Dick's Carini opener, where it like it didn't mm. have multiple sections. It like very quickly moved into the Bliss Peak, but it was like a really, really solid, really earned peak. Um, Haley's very nice segue into Ghost. Usually, we see Haley's with the carrot into a new into another song. This was like a direct segue. They found the groove. They worked it really well. It was uh, it was kind of effortless, but you know, also really patient. This ghost, I think, is one of the strongest jams of the overall weekend. Um, it gets into some really cool spaces. I was texting with a buddy just now um, who was comparing moments of it to the first part of the Ruby Waves jam from Dayton and like just felt like he heard a ton of interplay between Paige and Trey and a lot of connectivity. I thought it was awesome. It A lot of these first set ghosts tend to move into like that white lights bliss peak jam and this did that with while making some really cool diversions that it makes it really interesting we listen um and then you know they played the song i've been chasing my entire life uh and they played it in my home city and i was on my couch watching it and uh uh, at one point my wife had to ask my son to stop talking because this was a really important moment which like says a lot about you know family dynamics (laughs) and shed a few tears and uh texted a bunch of people who were kind of all caps freaking out and um then they saw it again you know uh great end to the set i i i love this set overall it was big feelings what do you guys yeah, i feel like this this set shouldn't have flow like on paper but it really does and i think what like connects the set is just really excellent playing i think the the ghost to me is also obviously a standout it had that kind of breathy and emotional feel to it that the twist from Dayton had just like really patient and like Trey's tone and emotion is just like so beautiful I think the peak is tremendous it's like you said Brian it has like multiple peaks it's super interesting and it wasn't a great drop back in but like who cares I felt like the emotion that that ghost kind of like let out was like a perfect kind of like 
prelude to Albuquerque, which I thought was just like, yeah, I was sad for you. I was thinking about you and, um, you know, it happens, but, um, I'm sure the next time they play it in 10 years, you'll be there. So that'll be great. Um, but yeah, this I thought this, that was great too. <laughs> yeah. Like you just don't know. And I really like this meat too. Like the meat gets out there. They've got like, tr- you know, fishermen doing those weird, like orange whip quotes, which where does he find this stuff? Like he just makes up jokes to himself and then like puts them in shows. It's so funny. Um, but there's just like, the, I saw a video of the end of this meet and Trey and Fish are just like looking at each other as they're playing that end like little bit. And they're just like, they look so happy. They're smiling so big and they just seem really playful and joyful. And I thought that this whole set, like there's just this kind of like, I don't know, emotion and good energy to this whole set. And ending, ending with Drift is perfect. It's funny you said that because I was going to ask. Um, I, I so I, I listened to this. I, I was busy on Friday night, and so I listened to this uh, on Saturday and in the car. Mostly, it was in in cars a good bit, and uh, I really enjoy the flow to this entire set. It's really mm-hmm. good, really good. Great song choices. Um, Albuquerque when Brian wasn't there, you know, just outstanding, but also just a perfect landing pad out of this really excellent yeah. ghost. I feel like uh just the other day I was talking about, you know, short, really compact versions of ghost that happen often in the mm. first set. And that's just what we get these days. And here they decided to draw that out a bit. Still fairly efficient, you know, it's under 20 minutes, but really, really good. Um, I thought version of ghost and um, yeah, landing in Albuquerque is beautiful despite the snub to Mr. Brinkman. Um, and then the rest of it uh, plays really well. Um, and I, I bring up drift while you're sleeping because I did skip it uh, because I was in the car and I was like, I need to hear there's, there's, have you seen the second set list? And so, um, and they're often very similar Uh which I, I don't think is, I don't think anybody can blame me for that, right? Um, yep, but yeah. I can't, I can't. Pretty good, pretty good run opening set. So um, I don't really have anything to add except because you guys kind of filled it in. So I'm going to go straight to set two. Um, you get sand, waves into tweezer, into cross side, into light, into mountains in the mist, Colgi, Harry Hood, into talk, into Harry Hood. The first talk since 2009 um and we should say 458 shows since they played albuquerque so great only 458 more brian you'll be able to see it (laughs) 20 not that long 35 i guess Mm -hmm. Uh, um i think i just want to say this this second said that the soundscapes really on sand are really pretty interesting mike and Paige primarily i think in one thing i was gonna kind of in waves kind of continues this um you know this like re- very layered sound but what do you guys make of these jams of this tour being much more like layered than summer where it it did seem like summer was a lot more straightforward um like there was just fewer effects i don't know it's interesting how that how that uh shifted yeah it's kind of the it's the fascinating thing about listening to this band is five weeks after they finished a really strong summer tour, they're back and they're playing with new sounds and they're playing with new ideas. And who knows, maybe it's a seasonal thing. Um, maybe it's indoor venues, maybe it's the location, maybe it's just like where these guys are at. Like it's, it's hard to kind of put your finger on why the sounds 
shift and ebb and flow from tour to tour. But um, I found, you know, just speaking of this set, and I think speaking of the weekend as a whole, you know, there's not, we, we didn't get the massive 20 plus minute jams that we were seeing so much throughout summer that we were seeing throughout spring that we saw through the early part of this tour, you know, with the oblivion in Dayton with the Ruby waves, but we did see, and I think especially in this set that when they blend really good song selection, really strong placement and that kind of soundscape jamming that you're describing, it really works. Um, my biggest takeaway from this set, this is like the best 2012 model fish set that you could ask for where in that era you were not you were not getting four to six song second sets you were not getting multiple Mm -hmm. 20 minute jams you were getting a lot of 12 to 15 minute long songs with a shorter song in between and there were some segues and it kind of felt segmented in a sense but a lot of those 2012 sets really flow nicely together i think immediately of st louis 828 that like it's a long long set list but you push, you press play on it and everything flows really well. This had that same effect to me where they didn't necessarily need to go super deep or to a post peak type of jam segment. They kind of just got to the space they needed to like the tweezer is perfect example. The tweezer gets to this very cow funk, like really groovy, just like thick dance, heavy party moves into a bliss segment. Once it gets into the bliss, you have two options there. Go to another song could be a ballad or go to another jam segment. They do this really interesting thing where they go to another song, but it's a song that is going to like just destroy the entire room in cross-eyed and painless midway through the set. It's going to raise the energy. You're listening at home. You have that sentiment, Um, you know, going towards the end of the set, the hood talk hood. I don't know how they haven't done this before because it worked <sighs> so well. It didn't sound clunky in any sort of way. It didn't Crazy. sound like they were trying to find talk. Like they just kind of fell into it. It was amazing. Um, yeah. Like I thought this set was on paper clunky, but in the ears worked really, really well. And I think it kind of is a, it's a testament to um, they can kind of play in different modes right now where they can play shorter jams, still get to that place. Um, or they could play a really long jam, get to that place within that song. And, you know, either way, like this is this show and this set are some of my favorites of the overall year somewhere in that larger list. You guys yeah, agree? Think, or what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. I think this set has an effortlessness to it that is just really, you hear them pulling on like their sound from so many different eras. I felt like sand, you hear that like 99 fish where they're doing like distorted loops and they're playing with soundscapes and layers. And then you hear like the 97 cow funk and tweezer. And, and then you hear like the bright shininess of summer in that tweezer too at the end. And then you hear kind of, you know, in sand, the effects of, you know, 2023 spring. Like I think they're just really in the set able to kind of pull from everything that they've ever done. And just, I, I thought, this was a perfect example of when micro jams just work like really, really well. And there's just such a, a rolling nature to this whole set. I think even like the waves is only nine minutes long, but it totally gets out there. It's like cool noises, really exploratory. And you kind of forget about it because it's in between this like credible sand. And I loved this tweezer. And then, yeah, the drop in a cross side is just like, I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like in the room. I mean, I think I would have lost my shit. Like, it's just such a perfect you like rocket. I would have. Like, it's just, <laughs> I love that song. Anytime I hear that, but I have that. Right. It's just like out of a tweezer. Like, it's like heart attack inducing. Like, and they play with like 
that version with just like some extra mustard, like they sound really lit up in this set. And the whole rest of the set is ridiculous. Like I was listening back just in my kitchen and like crying during talk. I mean, that to hear that song, it's so evocative of when I was so young and that song is so intimate and to hear it come out of like the space of hood is like you were saying, Brian, it's just sounded so inevitable. It's just, it's so beautiful. And I I couldn't even believe it. It's just, this is, you know, a song that's been played three times out of 1.0. Like the last time I heard it live was in 1996. Like this is a major throwback. And the th- fact that they're thinking about putting it inside of hood is just, it's pretty genius. Yeah, I think the last time they played it was the uh, acoustic set at Indio on 11-1. Wow. No, no. That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's um, wild. Yeah, they, I, um, I I have a lot of agreement with you guys on this set. It, I think it flows well. I love the jamming style in Sand. Megan, I think you texted us. Uh, either late Friday or early Saturday about the loops and things in sand. And yes, a hundred percent love it and love the feel it reminds me of like, like, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like if you put them side by side, you know, the gorge like 99 sand or something, but it's, you know, it's that mm-hmm. kind of idea performed by 2023 fish. And yeah, exactly. I'm, just, I'm really enjoying the, uh, I, I really enjoy these, you know, 15 minute jams. Like the waves is mm-hmm. great. Micro jam tweezer, not quite micro, not quite macro. Oh, I mean, it's 15, 16 minute tweezer and, but it's good. It's good end to end. And then it drops with a bang into cross side, which comes in mm. like just with heat. It comes in fast, furious and, you know, eight, nine minutes to wear you out. Um, light yeah, has exactly. a nice little, nice little jam in it with, uh, you know, I think fish.net saying there's a love Supreme jam in there with, uh, between Mike and Trey, um, uh, mountains is the perfect cool down. And then, um, yeah, this Harry hood talk hood is sublime. Have we used that word yet? I'm going to use that word. Perfect. Um, do it. And then, you know, just straight ripping encore. It was funny. Uh, I'll share this. I was in the car listening to this on the way home Saturday. And my, my wife says, what, what is this song? I don't really know this song. It's like, oh, it's a Hendrix cover. And I turned it up. And she said, I think I prefer Loving Cup. And I'm like, it's like, that's a different night. Sure yeah, enough, it was. Just wait. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I like a little Isabella. And that was a great kind of. You know, if you're going to do a one song encore, make it an Isabella. That's it. Exactly. It's good. It's funny that that's kind of just become like ho-hum at this point. Like they've played Isabella so much in the last six years that it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they're playing Isabella again. Like that was, that was a song that everyone was, everyone was chasing. I mean, I was, I was in a bar in Chicago actually watching the, uh, last night of the baker's dozen and when they started playing isabella the place erupted like we had just won the world series like that and now it's just kind of like casually like oh yeah here's an encore song that we're gonna play it's funny um, i was tell- telling my wife about the last night of the baker's dozen when, when she was saying she wanted to hear love and cup i was like no 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 like do you realize <laughs> this is um, a big that moment deal. was so wild it was so exciting <laughs> yeah RJ, I don't want you to get away without telling us what you think of this set i'm very curious what your thoughts were um, yeah, I mean, it's the the 
set list really it does it does flow really well. But the second set is yeah. I mean, just the tweezer into cross side is just a it's a big it's a big call, you know. And I think it mm-hmm. it works every time. But I, I really like that tweezer got into like this funk jam, like you mentioned, Brian, that we don't really hear in a while. Like I haven't heard yeah, more, that in a long more time. More of that. That's, more of that, and then please. It, and it gets into this nice like kind of really more serene space and then it just drops into cross side and that's a good that's a great call you know um and i really liked the uh the, yeah, the hood with talk in the middle i'm just very curious about how that came about just really mm-hmm. um just don't really get it maybe maybe we'll find out someday <laughs> did, did anybody use the, word the list. on that because it, it is <laughs> truly that it's like it's hood and then boom it's talk like there's no and it's just Talking like you around. just hear Trey like so quietly, like he's not like he's he's being really soft with his voice. Like it sounds really good. Well, you hear I them, mean, you hear him immediately starting to explore around the hood theme, and that's something that's become pretty normal of late. Where yeah. like they don't just go into you know the build up to the peak, and there's always a little bit of jamming in there. Um, and so initially, your ear is like, oh, cool, we're just getting a you know another jammed out Harry Hood. But then very quickly he he lands on talk and I mean who knows if if they talked about this if they planned this whatever um, it sounds as though they're kind of like figuring it out in the moment and it's not a very complex song so you can, and and they only really play I think he sings the first verse and the chorus and then they go back into hood um, I'd have to go back and re-listen to it but it's a very like condensed version yeah, of a small of a short song but yeah. It's it is wild to me. I, I made the bold claim on Friday when we recapped Dayton that they're going for no repeats again because you know they hadn't repeated a song to that point in time. They're playing all these rarities. They of course repeated a Yeah, I think I called you out for for citing the no repeats. I feel like I thought we weren't gonna talk about that and then and, <laughs> we talked about it and then they and then they blew it up. And they didn't. uh you know, which I think is fine. Th- I they think don't need the, to do no repeats. Yeah. yeah. I think my one thing about this show, all three shows have these strange middle of second set calls to me, all three shows. Like playing Golgi in the middle of the second set is just like but but it but it like it worked because then then they went it into worked. hood, but it's just it's a weird thing to it hear in the weird. middle of the second set. So totally in the agree. early early part of 3.0, they did this a lot where they would you know, play a song that makes you think the set's going to end. Like if you're not looking at your watch or whatever, you're just in the moment and they play Golgi and you're like, Oh, it's the end of the show. Whoop. Fooled you. It's hood. <laughs> oh, it's the end of the show. Whoop. Fooled you. Here's talk. Oh, it's back to hood. now. We're going to yeah. end the show. You know, like they, the, the, I used to just call it the 3.0 fake out because they would just yeah. like mm-hmm. pretend to end and then, and then play a little more. And um, I don't know if My it's God. just, it works here. It, it, I don't think yeah. it's too much of a rug pull out from under you. Well, I think that's something that like I was thinking about a lot, especially listening to the show last night, which we'll get to, but that I think Trey's in this place where he thinks he can kind of like play anything anywhere. And I feel like sometimes it, it is magic, right? It just like works so well. And sometimes it's not. And like, I think when you have a set as strong as that set, it worked to put Golgi there. Like who cares? Like the rest of it's so amazing. And it just kind of goes when they're playing that well, like you can play anything anywhere, but it doesn't always work. And I think that kind of, I don't know, happened last night, but we'll get there. I'm skipping ahead. 
We are. We are. You are skipping ahead, but mm -hmm. let's go there together it's now. It's time. Um, <laughs> Here we are. Uh, all right. Saturday, second night, we get a Runaway Jim, Martian Monster, Sample, Way, Karina, Tube into 46 Days, and I See You. Most events aren't planned. Cavern, more. Um, that's a lot of, they, they played a lot of songs, a lot of songs in that set. Um, I thought, I thought it's really nice to hear Karina again, just kind of like, I don't know. I think I, I think I heard it in maybe in 2018 at MSG and they, they haven't played, played it that it 19 much. at MSG too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That mm -hmm. it's just, it's a really, I like, I like that. I like them mixing it back in. Um, when what they else played you got? it. When they played Jonathan. it at 1230, 2019, that was a 20-year oh. gap broken for me because I had last seen it at Big Cypress. So wow. literally 20 years to the day. That's Crazy. amazing. Um, yeah. Crazy. It's a good song. Good song. Good cover. <laughs> um, Jonathan, what were your what was your take on this set? So it's funny. I mentioned, you know, driving home, listened to Isabella and, and I got home and came in the house and came upstairs and turned on the stream and right as they were starting sample. So I went back and listened to Jim and Martian monster. And I'm like, you know, they're, they're cool and fine kind of openers. And, uh, like, and by the, I went back, I did that, you know, the next day. So, Picking up that sample, it was right at the literally the beginning of the lyrics. I was like, oh, cool, sample. I can, you know, get my beverage and kind of get settled in. <laughs> and then they jammed sample. I could hear it all, so yeah. I didn't miss anything. But then they jammed sample a little bit. I was like, you could tell. It's always that bit where Trey, like, goes, like, holds that bit just a little longer instead of going into the wrap-up solo. And you're like, oh, we're going to do this. Very cool. And it was a micro jam or whatever. It was not a not a... 20 minute banger that's fine i thought it was real nice way to get into the show for me and uh, i'm I, I imagine people were pretty psyched in the room um and then this the set just flows it's all good songs so it's yeah. a lot of songs you're right rj um but you know you get sample with a jam sample in a jam sample with a jam uh way uh karina's real fun i'd love to hear it um the tube is hot tube is real hot um 46 days i felt was longer than it is um, yeah me too you know i'm not watching with a clock but it's like it's under nine minutes but it felt longer and i see you i love most events aren't planned also felt a little longer um cavern and then more felt like the end of the set so um which it was so that was kind of kind of <laughs> perfect um well, so, yeah, this yeah. comment here from Michael, that 46 days is one of the best things they've done in under nine minutes. I don't care for the tune, but it was a highlight. Well, I'm sorry you don't care for the tune, but I'm really glad you enjoyed that one. I thought it was pretty good myself. I agree with most of that. Almost all of it. <laughs> um, Brian, what um, what did you think about this first set Saturday? So I think that. Um, I think two things. I think one, what we're going to kind of get into as we get to Sunday, we started to see the kind of momentum shift a little bit with the weekend here with this set. The set didn't fully do it for me overall, um, just from a flow standpoint, from a song selection standpoint, but in between kind of the ups and downs of this overall set, I found the sample jam to be really fascinating. Um, you know, this is a song that the band has 
explored kind of like ACDC bag, what is possible outside of it. Um, they've never gone super deep with this song, but I thought it was a really nice placed performance for just sample as a song, but also for what came out of it. Um, to me, the tube and the 46 days were the strongest parts of this overall set and two of my favorite moments of the overall show that the tube kind of balances this kind of cow funk and, and the kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, hashtag clav tweet type jamming that our, uh, our, our esteemed, uh, young Ryan, uh, likes to, likes to push. Um, but also got into this like heart tugging moment. Like I, I feel mm-hmm. crazy for saying this, so I apologize for everyone in advance, but there was, I don't know if it's the key Trey was playing in, if it was the tone, but there's like a moment where he starts riffing and it sounds like the, in the, the start of the peak in the went gin where it just like, it just pulls your heart. Hey, you, do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020 where myself, Benny Goodman and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. Internet trouble in Colorado today. Um, Megan, you want to pick that up and tell us about yeah, your thoughts on this set? I mean, I agree with Brian. I think the, I actually really liked the flow of the set, but I agree that the highlights were definitely the tube in the 46 days. The tube to me was interesting because it was so different, that little jam, than the one they played just a few days before. That one was really like patient and breathy and sexy. And this one was just pure funk, like totally in the pocket, like right away. And I was really like noticing that page and tray kind of romance that's been going on where they're just pushing each other to play with more and more emotion. And it's really like standing out to me. And I, f- I keep hearing them echo each other and talk to each other in jams. And I heard that in this tube. And then in this 46 days, like I Brian texted this and he was saying that it sounds like they're, they fall into chest fever. And it's just, I thought this jam was tremendous, like just jaw on the floor, like wild peak, full, perfect fall back into the song. And I agree. I think this 46 days is like, if sometimes it's like, I'm curious is like, is fish getting too efficient with their jamming that they like, they don't, they can find it so fast that they don't 
you know, to do a 25, 30, 35 minute jam, it's just, they just don't need to a lot of the time. I mean, this 46 days is like a perfect example of that. And this most events aren't planned. Jesus page, like just get after it. That man gets after it during this song and I love it. Yeah. I thought it was great. Good ending cavern, more like uplifting celebratory end of the set. Like I really liked the set a lot. I thought, especially from tube on, it was really, really strong. Um, I just want to show this comment from, um, Linda. She, uh, it's a multi-part comment, so you have to read a few comments, but basically she got the way, um, after, after bringing a, a sign, um, to Dayton. So that's pretty cool. Um, oh, that's cool. Her yeah. sign said recovery is the way spelled like the song. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. Nice. It's awesome. Nice work. Um, I love the more, God. I agree. Um, I saw someone, <laughs> I saw someone post a picture of the, and he said, this is the bathroom, <clears throat> the men's bathroom during more, like what's going <laughs> on and because it was, because it was empty. And I was like, that's, that's great. You know, what an, Love what an to awesome see it. song. What an awesome <laughs> song. Um, yeah, this is a, the sample jam is pretty cool. I, I feel like this, this um, run, maybe the tour in general, like I think there was, I felt like there were these like moments like that where there was, you know, we didn't see as much of the like, you know, spontaneously jammed unjammed songs, you know, that we have seen in the, mm -hmm. in past yeah. tours. And I feel like the sample was like, you know, one, one example of that, but these first sets were pretty standard. Sample's a jam song now. That's why, yeah. you know, it's great. Just, yeah. Put it, just put it in the set two opener and take it out there, you know? Um, okay. So can we jump into set two? Please. Let's do it. Okay. Chalk dust into oblivion and to split open and melt. What's the use? And everything's right into no quarter. Fluffhead, Encore, Life Beyond the Dream, Character Zero. This, um, the I think this, all the jams this weekend were really kind of like, like they just felt lighthearted, you know? Like the chalk dust just got into this, like very, it's just like a really nice jam. And I, I really liked, I really liked the way that went. I, I think it's in this, this part of the set to me was interesting because it just felt like they were like trying to figure out where the set was going to go. And again, like mm -hmm. split open and melt in the middle of the second set got really, you know, very strange and out there. And I was wondering like, how do you even get back to a set of music after you play a split open and melt like that in the second set? But what's the use is a great way to do that. So it kind of worked, but it just like, kind of like the, what we talked about from Friday night, but you hear split open and melt in the middle of a second set and you're like, Oh wow, this is, well, this is interesting, but it worked. And it wasn't quite, you know, it was not the same as like the Nashville one. It wasn't quite as big, quite as demented. Yeah. Um, it, but it, 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 it did work. I think the set overall works quite well. It was really fun to listen to, um, here on the couch. Um, and, even everything's right, you know, coming as it does did after what's the use kind of felt like, like when you were saying, you know, how do you restart a set after that weirdness? I think everything's right. is really where the last, you know, where it picked back up, like what's the use is beautiful. And, and it ends on just like a, well, like it ends, you know, it has this mm. quietude where it finishes, but they just kind of then bleed it right into like immediately, you know, like straight ahead rock of everything's right. Um, which itself carried nicely into no quarter. And then, oh, well, let's play Fluffhead. Like, 
what a fun set. I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have any big standouts other than to say that I really like the melt. It's not, you know, I would probably listen to Nashville over this one, given the choice between mm. the two, but I really liked it. Um, again, efficiency. They just got right back to that point that they needed to get to when they got into that song and, uh, and held it maybe just the right amount of time. It's good. Yeah. Brian, do you have any, do you have some highlights from this set? Um, I mean, I think the chalk test and the melt were my two biggest highlights. I think, you know, this set didn't totally work for me in the way that it may have worked for some other people. Um, I felt like this was kind of emblematic of the issues I started to have with the run as it went on. The chalk dust gets to a really amazing space. I thought it was a really nice earned segue into oblivion, but to have this like new song that has been, that's produced such huge jams over the last uh, couple of months, just kind of be played straight the way that Mercury is currently um, was just, it, it didn't feel like the right spot for me, especially midway through a second set here, right as the tour is concluding split up in a melt. This is like the coolest placement that I could imagine playing a song like this, that they just like destroy right now. Um, and usually we get split up in a melt as this like set one closer, set two closer encore. And you know, if it goes 15 to 17 minutes, it's really, really rewarding we're midway through a 90 minute set here. Like it, it felt like a spot to just like let those soundscapes breathe and just like get as weird as possible. And I think that they got to a really weird space and then, you know, either it was clock checking or it was, you know, wanting to shift the, uh, the vibe of the set, but Trey kind of wrapped it around really quickly. So it, it didn't, it didn't linger in that space the way that I just, I love, um, the rest of it I found was, really serviceable in like a Saturday night rock, you know, second set. What's the use filling in for the ballad slot? Very beautiful. Uh, we talked about this at length on Friday's pod that like the space they find themselves in, in what's the use now is just really rewarding. Um, everything's right. I thought got to a really nice space and then no quarter fluff had like just good rock to, to end the overall set. It didn't do a ton for me in terms of like re-listenability outside of moments of chalk dust and split open and melt. And it kind of felt more to me, um, like playing it safe rather than taking major risks, uh, you know, which is emblematic of, of when fish is at their peak as they just, you know, that Ruby waves, for example, from, from Wednesday, not every jam can be like that. Not every jam can go 30 minutes. I, I get that. That is way too, uh, you know, out, out of the bounds of, of what, you know, we should expect or should anticipate from a show by show standpoint. But when they come back into Ruby waves and then they go out and just explore for 10 additional minutes, that really adds something. And that shows the mm -hmm. band just taking a lot of chances and listening to each other and kind of stepping out beyond the cliff to me. I mean, that is the magic space. And, and I felt like, this reminded me of almost like 2019 fish where every time they got someplace really, really cool, rather than extending that they called for a new song mm -hmm. and that can be really, really fun. I thought that worked really well on Friday. I personally did not think it worked as well on Saturday. Yeah. I feel like the jams just didn't feel like they had a resolution in a way. Like I think that even like the tube or the 46 days, like they were shorter jams, but they, they felt like they had kind of, I don't know they were like one thought and this chalk dust is like, it's really beautiful. It's optimistic. It's really melodic. It's gorgeous. But then it just kind of like it, they seem to all get to that like 13 minute mark. And then it's like, 
you got to either push on and like move forward to a new section or find a new space or just be willing to sit in that uncomfortable space. And I felt like they weren't willing to sit there. And I kept hearing that in like Chalk Dust, Oblivion 2. Like Oblivion 2 was interesting because it was actually like a little bit of a faster tempo than it usually is. It had like a funkier feel to it. And like it, it really stood out to me. I actually really liked it. I thought it had like a a growly, funky feel that I thought really worked for the song. So I don't know if that's what made it more songy and less like weird jammy. But I I was like super excited when they went into the split open amount. I thought they were going to just go there and then they did. And then at, again, like 13 minutes, you just see Trey like pull them back into the song. And, and it was just kind of like that feeling of like not getting the resolution in the jam that you want. And I guess if you're going to record a jam, what's the use is probably one of the biggest things I'll approve. Like I was like, okay, I approve of this, like best song ever. But like, it just, it added to that kind of like, um, just like, yeah, unsatisfying feeling of it. And the rest of the set, just like, I don't know. I, I, when I'm not excited and when no quarters played, like that doesn't make sense to me. So I just didn't feel super, I don't know, thrilled about it, but I thought that the, the first part of the set, you could hear them kind of searching for that, that, that resolution. I feel like maybe you're off your game if you're not excited for a no quarter or what's the use. I feel like they resolved the split open and melt. I like the what's the use. You know, it doesn't go, like like I said, it doesn't go quite as far as it did in Nashville, but they don't all do. They don't all do that. But it did, what they didn't do is completely slam out of it. They finished it just like that song does. But I don't know. We can agree to disagree. Let's yeah, both I mean, listen and then I like, argue about it. Okay, I like that. Let's do I it. I like the idea yes. of the resolution being the the point. You know, uh, I do think yeah. that's a fair. I think that's a fair point. I think, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it turns out that this might be subjective slightly. I don't know for sure, but it might be <laughs> um, maybe a little. <clears throat> Brian is frozen in a, in a in a beautiful, um, perfect, oh, skeptical sweet. face about all of this. Um, yeah. I think you know. Okay, well, let's talk about Sunday because, you know, Sunday is a was a show they played. Um, <laughs> the first, Do you want to tell people like what was going on on our text thread this morning? Um, no, no, let's just okay. act no, it out that, here. That's private. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Set one is everything is hollow into timber, ocelot, vultures, monsters, plasma, mercury, stash, leaves. David Bowie. If they had if they had played another one word song instead of David Bowie, that would have been like uh maybe that's what they were going for there. We could have just called it Bowie, I guess. The only thing I really want to say about this set is like Fish Fishman, which we haven't really talked about today. I mean, his drumming like on Timber was like mm. he's it, it still sounds like there are like multiple people playing at once. It's just uh it's wild. Um I really like the plasma jam. Um mm-hmm. I think I think Plasma is like the, I don't know. I, I feel like when they're when they're using some of these effects and kind of like, you know, it's 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 good for that kind of exploration. Um, but yeah, this is a. I said in the text thread this morning that not knowing anything, if I had looked at this set with like the songs played and the timestamps, then I would have assumed that like they were like trying to get something going that didn't really stick. And that that's my mm-hmm. interpretation. You know, like several eight minute songs but you know that's just my interpretation but if you're going to play mercury and it's only going to be like seven minutes long i just it's the radio friendly version 
I don't, I'm, we're not, yeah. we're, radio or the radio's dead, man. <laughs> <laughs> what, Jonathan, what were, what was your thought about this set? Uh, so I, I enjoyed it actually. Um, I will say though, that when you texted about the seven minute Mercury, I was like, they played a s- seven minute Mercury. Oh yeah. That was in there. <laughs> I, I might've missed that. And might, maybe I went to the bathroom. Um, but, uh, I, I thought it was cool, man. So everything is hollow. Cool. With it. Timber ruled. How is that only six and a half minutes long, but it ruled yeah. always does. Um, Ocelot was fine and not bad. I loved the vultures call. Um, I think Fishnet had a quote in it that I was picking up. Oh yeah, Third Stone uh, from the Sun teases. I was picking up Trey was doing that in there, and I was like, okay, cool. Monsters, chill. I like this version better than the last one. I think um, Plasma was great. Um, again, I don't remember Mercury happening. Um, stash. So I'm excited. You know, I always clock stash and I'll tell you, I was excited when they went there. Um, I came out of it going, okay, well they didn't blow it, uh, but it didn't like blow the doors off either. You know, I think it was just a fine yeah. stash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leaves was pretty. And then I was like, Oh, David Bowie, they don't have time for David Bowie. And they <laughs> did, but they didn't have time for the David Bowie that I dream of. Um, it was fine as well. Kind of like the stash. I don't know if they ever have time for the David Bowie you dream of. I don't think they made the time <laughs> for the David Bowie that they, that I dream of. They they have made the time. They just have never taken the, the, the long leave. time. Um, 12, 29, 2022, they opened the second set with it. And and there were, it was a good version. It was a really cool version. But uh, to your point, they did the same thing at Dick's Night 2, where they started it with 10 minutes left in the set. And uh, I think my one response was, you fucking cowards. Um, lovingly, <laughs> lovingly. But like, come on. Like, it's not that hard to re-enter David Bowie if you're going to. They, they don't have any trouble re-entering David Bowie. It's, no. you know, like, they, they that's the thing. Like, there was a time in 3.0, late 3.0, where they would try a David Bowie and they would not, uh, they would stumble into the ending or they would not, they weren't nailing that. And I can see their reluctance to really go for it if they're not confident in the song, if they're, you know, you get in your head when you kind of miss changes and whatever, uh, they're not doing any of that. Now they're playing mm-hmm. the song perfectly. And just an, as, as good as you can ask in 4.0 in 2023, they are, they're hitting it. Um, I'll, my ask is for like, use it as the jam vehicle that it is or could be. Um, not last night though i guess yeah and, so, and that set was a little bit longer too it was like one hour 23 minutes and i was like so there have the, been a, a several yeah. of those on this tour uh they've been pushing that uh 65 minute thing to like 82 minutes like on most of the shows this tour actually mm-hmm. megan what what's your what's your take on this well i wasn't going to stream last night and then they started playing everything is hollow and I like forgot that song existed. And I thought that was super cool and like weird vibes. And I thought that would be just like so interesting. And so I immediately I pulled they forgot it up. It existed. Yeah. And I, I think this song is really cool. You know, fourth time played, it has that like deep groove. It's really funky. I thought it was cool. I was like, this is interesting. Like, let's go. And I thought the Ocelot had like a really good spirited peak. Like it has a lot of like oomph behind it. 
you know, from then on, it was just to me, I was like, they need a vibe check. Like the, the energy just like never got anywhere like, like high. And I just felt like they kept picking songs in the same kind of like mid tempo. I think the plasma is definitely the highlight. It has a decent little jam and peak sounds great. But then like to just play these songs that all kind of don't, you know, there's no flow to this set. I feel like there's actually, I'm not going to say that there's actually a little bit of a flow. It's just like really like mellow and like undertone. And it just feels like, I ne- I don't think I saw Trey smile like once. And, and that to me is like very indicative of like, he just didn't seem to be like in the zone and connecting to any, I don't know. I just kind of felt like played a lot of songs that are kind of, they're not downers, but they're just like not I don't know. They don't do anything to like move forward the the energy or switch it up or, you know, like there's no kind of like arc to the set to me at all. It's all just kind of like flat. That's fair. I felt that. I mean, I think I was thinking about this a lot last night and this morning, um, you know, fish and tour finales uh, are, it's, mm. it's an interesting thing because this band is constantly in evolution and they're constantly changing. We were talking to, you know, RJ, you were talking about the soundscapes, this tour versus just five, six weeks ago when a lot of these jams would find this beautiful zone peak brilliantly. Trey wasn't really using a lot of effects. Spring tour was really dark and like kind of, you know, ambient in a lot of cases, who knows what they're going to sound like by MSG. This band is always in motion. <laughs> and that is a really fascinating aspect about them. That does also not always cater itself and not regularly cater itself towards like big tour finales. This is a Sunday night show, the final show before two months off and the band is still like figuring things out and this this set and this show overall felt to me kind of like a tuesday night two weeks into a tour as we're kind of yeah. like figuring out what songs work and we you know where where the jams go and what songs are you know really allowing us to explore and you know i went through kind of like there've been 30 tours uh like proper tours in 3.0 the majority of the tour finales are kind of underwhelming and i think part of that is the fact that the band doesn't really look back. And when they look back, mm. like 7-4-2010 with Fur- Forbins and Harpua or 7-14-2019 from um, uh, Alpine Valley with the giant ruby waves, but also yeah. all these rare bust outs and a catapult and an Iculus, um, you know, there are these moments, 9-5-21, you know, big jams, catapult, uh, the simple machine madness. There are these moments where the band will kind of look back at a tour finale, but that's not really in their nature. And it's a thing that I think we all love so much about this band is that they're always looking forward. But it does make a tour Mm -hmm. finale and the celebratory nature of, hey, we reached the end of the line. It's a big break. Let's look back and celebrate. That's not really fish. When they play those kind of shows, it feels really good. But I would be lying to say like those kind of shows sometimes feel more like fan service in a really fun way than a show like this that Mm. love it, don't like it. I kind of fell on the line of not really loving last night while also as I, you know, have some space from it as I'm reflecting, kind of think about, okay, this is just the nature of the band. They're always working through something. And when they're working through stuff, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And that's just, that's part of being a fish fan. I just, yeah. just want to say just real quick, I, I saw the Taylor Swift movie yesterday and I don't think we're getting a fish eras tour. 
you know? No, never. No, we're not never, getting never. Into <laughs> no. there. Like, now we're gonna now we're gonna play some songs. Fuck from we talking Trey puts about, on the big boy. bowling shirt yeah. and yeah, <laughs> outfit changes. That'd be but so sick. End, but it, it is like most concerts, even even within the even within the context of a single concert, it builds toward you know a closer that you know yeah. is like like that's, that's the, the whole point, song. right? Mm-hmm. In, in yeah. for like that's, that's pop show production. Fish doesn't yeah, do exactly. that. Just rule it no, out. No, throw I, that whole I, I, segment out the window. Dude, I've, I've been right seeing them your for a long time. statement. I totally yeah, so. understand that Fish is not a pop production. I do. Right. I do know so, that. but I'm I know. just I'm I'm, I'm, just, I'm making a point like in order to contrast. Isn't that yeah. okay? Well, I mean, it, it, of course it's okay. I just Thank I you. think it's funny that you know it's it's an almost unnecessary point because of course not. Not a thing. But also thinking and, about and their fans, like, I, think, well, I think it's necessary the in the fact finale, that like what Brian's saying. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jonathan. Well, I was going to say the tour finale thing is not really a thing anyways. Like Brian doesn't even want to call this a tour. He's reluctantly calling it a tour. He's been calling it a run every time until I call him the out on finale, it. Run finale, whatever you want to call it's it. It's not like, uh, well, but, but my point is it's not like in 95 where they were on the road for three months, you know, and then they would be like, hey, thank you, everybody. Thanks to the crew and all of this. You know, they would like do that. Of course, the crew is also a little smaller, but, uh, you know, they would, it was a real thing that they had just accomplished. Whereas now they're just But even if you go back shows. to the 90s, this is still, it, this is like a theme. Like you have, you know, for every uh, 5, 8, 93, you have like an 11 or a 12, 13, 97, where it's like a, a show that ends a major tour that kind of is. Uh, almost a comma rather than an exclamation point, mm. you know. Um, but at least I, I a lot of people would more likely an that. acknowledgement. Then, even if it wasn't the best show of tour, they were looking back and going, "All right, thanks everybody for coming." Now it's just it's just Sunday night, man. Sunday night in Chicago, and it's maybe not your favorite. But, you show. but it is the final show about- before a significant break. Yeah, and you think about all it, the gigs uh, runs where they have actually like made a point to. <laughs> thank fans or do something that like kind of sums up the whole experience they've had. Or I think they, they do think about the fans experience and they do think about like important moments. And I think it's interesting that, yeah, that they, the end of a tour doesn't feel as like climactic to them maybe. And, and maybe it does. And maybe last night was just off and they were trying to get there and they were playing different stuff. And I don't know, but, um, but I, I think it's interesting to think about because it is climactic to the fans. I don't know what we're de- debating really, but I just feel like it's just a show. Last night was just a show. Should it have been more than a show? We all think that every time, I think especially it's hard. those I think of us who go. Um, but point and say I think the show is good. Be really good because if it's just a, like Fish doesn't like at their best, they don't just play a show. And I think a lot of right. think the people that follow them and are, are consistently following them are following them because there are these moments that you don't get anywhere else. So I agree with you. Like last night was just a show, but that's, I think where the criticism comes in is that it, it, it it's, it's a Sunday night before a significant break. It's, it's the tour it's finale, whatever you want to call it. I'm just saying like you, well, you, I'm, I'm just in, like you have to carry it out. Fine. But that's how I hear it. And that's how I'm explaining it. I do think that this is really interesting. What Brian Tompkins says, because I agree with this, the downward arc of the weekend has increased the critical light from us remarkably. I think that it's mm-hmm. one of those fascinating things that when you think about the order of which shows are played and, you know, if let's say the Friday night show was played on Sunday, I think that there's totally. a different vibe coming out of this weekend. I think that, and you see this like, 
Um, I think back to like the Charleston run of 2019, which was this kind of first model of the eight show tour that Friday night show is really, really good. Um, I, I skipped the first chance I had to see goose to stream that show. And so I, I have to defend that show forever. Cause it's the only <laughs> time I would ever pay $20 to see goose in a bar and I missed it. Um, but that show was really good Saturday night. Okay. Sunday night is kind of historically one of the, it's, it's a mess of a show. And if, if you reverse that weekend, there's a different vibe coming out of it. I think ultimately sure it's expectations that people have coming in, but I mean, I, I don't know how to really approach anything without some element of expectations. And, and I think looking at last night's show, maybe it's energy, maybe it's song selection, maybe the band is tired, maybe whatever it is, to my ears, it didn't totally work. And it kind of speaks to a larger theme that when this band closes a tour, there's not a sense, and this goes throughout their whole career, there's not a sense of, you know, overall, let's look back and celebrate because they are, even if they're not in the moment thinking, okay, what's coming next, they're constantly tinkering and trying new stuff. And and the nature of them is sometimes that really works and sometimes that doesn't. And that's kind of all. Mm-hmm. I just like listening to fish. I mean, same. Yeah, me too. But I like talking about it and disagreeing when we do. I think it's interesting. Uh, and uh, I think that when you have also a, a, a run where so many people are going to see three shows in a row, it, it affects the way that you view the last show. Like if you're going in totally. on, on a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday night, you want there to be a, a level up just because it takes a lot to go to three shows in a row. It's energetically I, I draining. Just, it It's, you know, I'm just speaking from my perspective. You can totally I, I, disagree I, with I, it, I but just, I feel I, that no, way. No, I just think that you're stubbing your toe in, on the way in the door, uh, going like expecting it to level up because you know fish. Fish might do that. But I'm not upset if they don't when I'm there. I'm just looking back on it, reflecting on it now, saying like, you know, this is a. I mean, I I, I don't think you're upset. I just feel like you guys don't like the show because you want it to be something that it's not. I like the show. No, I just didn't like the show. Anything. That's what I think. I just said that. I feel like I guess you said this the wrong way. No, I just I think we have a different way of doing it, and I definitely advocate for Zen and the art of listening to fish. That's all. I'm not a super Zen person. I'm more like Just super it. engaged. And now I, I kind of like being like super in or super out of things. So um, that's cool. Mm-hmm. We do it different. I'm into that. So um, what was everybody's favorite part of the weekend? The tweezer. The first night tweezer. Um, there is this jam in there that I forgot to mention. We were talking about it that, um, is totally the progression. Like Trey's not playing the music per se, but it's following this progression that is very much like the peak of here comes sunshine. And I played it twice in a row, uh, in the car to the annoyance of my wife, because I wanted to hear them do it again and make sure I really believed it. And then I'm just singing Garcia's lead line over that bit. It was so, so fucking cool. I don't have a timestamp because I was in the car, but everybody should go check that out again. I think I'd go with the ghost. 
I uh, just loved the space that that entered. I loved the placement of that. Um, you know, I think Ghost, when you put it in that spot, it's going to raise the energy of a show no matter what, even if it's kind of a straightforward, you know, 12 minute peaking version. This, as I said, kind of diverged, went to that space that like, I just find really interesting. It's dangerous. It's kind of risk-taking while also adhering to a larger formula that works. And, um, you know, as we talked about with the Dayton show, there is something really special when the band, uh, ends a big jam with a really rewarding ballad and for that ballad to be mm. a giant bust out uh just you know um it raises stakes i i haven't checked the stats on this but um our, our good friend michael meyer says uh, besides the 2001 show all others had bust outs of 100 plus shows yeah that's amazing um, I have not gone back through the set list, so I can't exactly say if this is right or wrong, but like I know that there were a lot of 100 plus show bust outs. Um, and who am I to, uh, you know, question the knowledge of Mr. Michael Myers? You so know, that is a pretty cool out is only like two years, which is kind of crazy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because these are they were, they were bringing in a lot of songs that were not in the rotation and are not in the rotation. Either you had massive bust outs like albuquerque and talk or you had kind of stuff like everything is hollow that to your point jonathan like wow this hasn't played played in a while oh and it's only been since 12 8 9, 19 okay so before the pandemic but still not that long ago it's it's an interesting kind of dynamic that the band is in what about you rj i really i like that i like that ghost quite a bit um i think that's a that's a great segment i mean that the the tweezer jam just given that there there is that um, the jam that you mentioned, Jonathan, then before that they get into this like very 97-esque funk jam. Um, but the, that, I don't know, that whole segment of sand waves, tweezer and across that is, is really great. I feel like the layering and the effects and the soundscape in general during that the whole segment is just great. Uh, Friday was, was really, really interesting. Um, I also just want to say just about Sunday night, just Jordan, um, who's watching on YouTube mentioned, the Trey's voice was shot and maybe they ran out of gas on Sunday. I think like the reason that we, well, part of the reason that we do this podcast is because we like, we like to discuss these things in more depth than just like, yes, they played these songs and, and fish is great. But like, it's interesting that they, they, they gotta be, I mean, they're like almost 60, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm 44 and I'm, I'm already tired. Just, I gotta go to one show. I'm exhausted. So like for them to push, push into you know three cities and multiple night shows in a week a week and a half is is pretty amazing and mm -hmm. um and trey clearly was like having issues I, I felt like the second set on sunday night they were like really trying to push into areas that just kind of didn't like they 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 were trying to make something happen and i actually I, I just wanted to say because we didn't talk about set two i think spanish moon was like my favorite part of that set um, just cause it was yeah. it's just a fun, it's just a fun song. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was only the third time played and, um, that, that was pretty cool. So anyway, I, I like that. I like that Friday night segment quite a bit. Um, yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, me too. I mean, Megan. I think that's kind of like my highlight too, but I will say that the, the moment that kind of like put my jaw on the floor was the talk in the middle of hood. I mean, that was the moment of the whole weekend that I was just like, whoa, like that was, I thought it was super emotional and just totally inspired. And I think that what's cool about what you're saying, RJ, about their age and that they're, you know, the toll this takes, I also think that the risks they're taking by pulling in all these songs they haven't played in a long time, it's totally. huge. A band doesn't, they don't have to do that. They could easily do a perfectly fucking crafted set that had, 
you know, all the hundreds of songs they've been playing in the last two years perfectly. And it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have these amazing moments like this hood talk or, you know, this ghost Albuquerque. And so I think that the fact that they're doing that is maybe why you end up with a show like you did on Sunday night, where they're taking these risks by playing these songs that they, you know, Monsters is brand new, Vultures is not played very often. You know, you've got all these stuff coming in. It's it's a lot to work with. And, and I think it takes so much courage and just incredible inspiration to do that in their 40th year. And so I'm here for them continuing to take risks, even if it's going to end up being a show that I don't love. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I think we, everyone has probably to go do stuff. Um, maybe those people listening, but we should probably tell everyone that we are bringing back 40 for 40. We're going to 2012 this Friday. If Yay. You can and I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like something's going to happen <laughs> and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, so we'll be back on Friday afternoon with that. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say before we, before we wrap up? We should probably have thought to get rid of the uh, summer tour 2023 um, quick hits thing. Although yeah. not the palm tree deal that's over here beside Brian. I really like yeah. that. So that's a, <laughs> that's a good call. That's a good point. I think we messed up our banner last time too. <laughs> I know. Watch this. There you go. No, there you go. Okay. But the no, no, no quick hits until MSG. So we uh, oh, will we'll all be 40 for 40 as we figure out also what to do in HF pod 2024 and ideas are, are churning. Um, I think that uh, I'm excited to see you guys at MSG. Or you guys will be at MSG. I'm excited to webcast those shows. Uh, always a fun, fun time and excited to dive back into 40 for 40. Yeah, me too. Awesome. All right. Thanks everybody for watching. This was fun. Talk to y'all soon. We'll see you on Friday. Peace. See ya. Bye everyone. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. This 
is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.